Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I am joined by Rich LaMonica. He is an Army veteran, and he also is the host of the podcast and radio show by the same name, Misfit Nation. He does all kinds of stuff, folks, and I can't wait for him to share his journey with you and why he started his podcast and now radio show. He's got uh, a good heart for what it is he's doing and tossing out nuggets of hope out there into the world. So, Rich, welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Uh, Kim, it's great to be back on Let Fear Bounce. Well, you know, you've been on my show before, and so this is the second time you're coming back to to visit with me and all of the listeners out there. Now, you were you and I were talking off mic that you have become the leader of an organization. I want you to share about that because I think it's it's I think it's a story that needs to be shared. So, floor Definitely. is yours. Definitely. In the last uh, two weeks or so, I was asked to become the leader of the Travis Mannion Foundation Clarksville chapter. For the last year, I was the co-leader. And the two people who were the actual leader, they want to step away to do things, more things with their family, and just be involved in the organization, not be the leader anymore. So I, of course, said, yeah, challenge accepted. And we'll take that take that uh, trophy and I guess that torch and run forward. And what the Travis Mannion Foundation is, it's an organization that was started by Ryan Mannion, uh, the sister of Lieutenant Travis Mannion. Travis Mannion was a Marine and uh, he died on his second tour in Iraq. Right before he went to that tour, he was in an Eagles football game. Uh, not that I'm an Eagles fan, but I'll say their name and not cough here. And uh, <laughs> he was climbing up the stairs with his buddy, and his buddy turned around and said, hey, hey, Travis, what if I push you down these steps? Then you won't have to go back to war. And stoically, he looked at him and said, if I don't go, who will? If I don't go, someone that has not been trained will have to go to war and be with my guys and lead them a different way. So right there is where the foundation really started, that, that mantra of if not me, then who? If I don't do it, who will? And that's what Travis Mannion Foundation does now. We go out into communities. We try to get into schools or youth groups and and just mentor youth to, to do some, uh, uh, we call it a CMT, a mentoring training. For men, you use your core values and train off that, your strengths, learn their strengths, and then teach off that to mentor them to be the next generation of leaders, not just in their community, but hopefully the country and possibly as leaders of the new world. When you never know, what what's the average age of the folks that you're talking to? You sit into schools. Is that grade schools, middle schools, high schools? We try to stay from like uh, middle school through uh, high school. Okay. All right. So I've, done, I've done lower. I've done a jujitsu class of little kids like five and six years old. And it was uh, the most uh, entertaining one I've ever done. So. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. They're just little balls of energy at that age. Yes. Say. yes lots of good questions. <laughs> Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> so you're going into middle schools and high schools. And now that's, you know, that's an age where, you know, you're starting to figure out kind of who you are as a person and, and how you think about things and how you view the world. And I, I, I can only think that what you're doing and the organization is doing is giving those, those kids that, that much more to think about and to strive towards you know, those leadership skills to become uh, mentors themselves, possibly down the right. road. All of those things that so many aren't taught that they can use, it's so valuable that they can use as they're going into, whether they're going into the military or they're going into work right out of school, maybe they're, you know, oh, what's that micro show? Dirty jobs, but then there's another one. What's the other one? 
oh dirty jobs and then a uh, deadliest catch and uh, <laughs> they can do like tech job technical jobs right out of school or right or right or yeah, yeah. college uh, the college pipeline to corporate america right right so i mean you know there what you what you and the organization are doing and you know hey congratulations on that becoming the leader for that i think that's awesome and to be able to mentor those that you know are coming up behind us because Definitely. sometimes you know I know, I recall, I don't know how old you were when you went into the military, but I was 18 and it was mo uh, one month after graduation that I went into the military. I really didn't, <laughs> I really didn't have a clue what I was doing, you know, right. um, at the time uh, that there was no money in my family for me to even consider going to college. I just know I was, I lived in a small country town and I wanted out of there. And so I thought, eh, okay, let's join the military. That was literally my mindset. Um, Seems like a cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that, shall we? <laughs> but to have, I think there's more choices now is I guess oh, yeah. the point I'm trying to make. There are more choices because I did not, I did not have someone in the school, like a school counselor saying, hey, you can do this or doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to have a whole bunch of money to go to college we can still get you there you know there was literally not one person available to me to talk about any of that any of that my mom was a single mom and she was working two and three jobs just to keep you know to keep a roof over our heads so I think that, you know, anything that's done for the youth now that gives them more opportunities and opens their eyes to a little bit more, that the world is a little bit bigger place than where they're living at and that they can have an impact, a positive impact on it. So awesome stuff. Awesome stuff what you're doing. So give me an example of, of the types of things like if you go into a school, what is it that you actually talk to them about? Is there any particular subjects? So prior to us going in there, we, uh, we have them take a, it's like an online quiz. It tells them, and it'll tell them their strengths, their strengths and or their shortfalls in every kind, every value for all the leadership, all the core values. So they'll, and then we'll ask the council or the teacher who's in charge of that group, which of those do you want us to harp on? So it could be happiness. It could be uh self, self, um, self-control and things like that. So you go in there and you base the class off of whatever that is. So self-control is a good one. And we took, I went into a class and I talked about Jackie Robinson, the famous baseball, first black baseball player in the professionals. He was in the army and he had to deal with segregation. He had to deal with all that spite and all that hate and went to baseball the same way. And what he did have in all that time was control. He never, he never went back against anybody. He played baseball. He was a so great soldier. He played baseball as a great baseball player and never went against the people that said, hey, you're no good because you're black or you're no good because you're this. He showed that self-control. And I bring that up. A lot of these kids have no idea who he, he went through that. They thought he's just a baseball player because they don't know a lot about anything past two weeks ago. So you got really got to teach them stuff. So when you we go through it and their eyes open, oh, I, then I ask them, what did you get? What have you done lately that you showed self-control? Was maybe in the bathroom, someone pushed you or something. I know things still happen in school. They have to. There's no way that stuff went away. Just that now there's cameras and stuff. But it has to. when a bully comes up to you, what do you do? Do you practice self-control? Do you just tell a counselor or do you fight? What do you do in that situation? So we try to build upon that to show them how to have that self-control and become better, better humans as they go through life. Now, you go personally into schools. <clears throat> Are there other ways that you... 
are able to do that? Is that is that something that there's maybe virtual online things that 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 you can do outside of having to go to the schools? I mean, is it in one area? Uh, we're all over. We're all over the country. We're all over the country right now. There's chapters pretty much spread out a uh, good good distance around each other. We're the only chapter in Tennessee right now. Well, so we're middle Tennessee. So we cover as much as we can physically. There's only so many of us here. But there are other mentors throughout Tennessee that are not part of our chapter, but are part of the overall Travis Manning family. So they're able to go into a school or, or maybe go to uh, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, and talk to them and do things like that. And I, last year, I actually did a virtual one. It was a summer camp. I kept calling it the Twin Oaks, like the thing from American Pie, the movie, the band camp. I kept calling it that, and I was saying the wrong name, but I just thought that's what it was. So I'm going to be mentoring the band camp kids. And it turned, it was um, my my two sessions were all uh, basically high school boys, and they were funny. And first, they didn't want to talk, so I I started yelling at them virtually, yelling at them on, over Zoom. And their instructor had them doing push-ups. I was like, this is making my heart pound great. This, thank you so much. <laughs> but we had a great time, and those guys, those young men uh, were able to feed, give me feedback instantly. I can see their faces light up after that. And and then we give them assignments to take home with them, like put down your phone for the day and see if you can live. See if you can live without that phone for a day. Practice that self-control of not going on there all day. Or do something nice for your family. Do something nice for someone you don't know. And we, when they come back the next day, you ask them, what did you do? And they, they'll tell you what they did and how they felt about it. So it really helps them and helps us as well. That's awesome. And that's great that it's it's across the country. So it's a national organization. <clears throat> do you know, um, I, I, I don't know, are there any analytics or data on any feedback that you might get from the kids that have been helped over the years and where they're at now? Uh, on the website, there is actually a video of uh, one of the young men who was like one of the first ones who went through. And he is now a mentor for the organization after he graduated high school, went to college and beyond. And he's now a leader in his, in his community and still mentoring giving back so that that's one right there i'm sure on the on their page there's a bunch of stuff because you know they have donors it's a nonprofit. there's probably a lot of uh, numbers on there oh how awesome so share share what the website is so people can go check it out and it'll be in the show notes as well but if you could share it right now that'd be great let me make sure i give you the right one yes www.travismanion.org awesome awesome well thanks for sharing a little bit about that and your your part in it. Um, I think that's great. I think we need, we need more of that. I mean, just <clears throat> think of all the nuggets of hope that you're tossing out to these young folks, you know, right. that, they, that they in turn can carry with them and share with others. I mean, it's, you know, it's the ripple effect and how beautiful is that? And like I said, we both win. I win by seeing them be the new leaders and they win because now they have the extra tools in their tool bag to go forward like you said earlier, when we were in high school, they just wanted to get us out of there. They didn't care. They, I mean, we were numbers, I guess. Back then, we were even still data. We were just pieces of data back then, just not on a computer. It was just a chart somewhere in some principal or administrator's office. Hey, you look like someone that's going to go to college. You're going to college. You're not going to trade. You can't do trade. You're going to cut your hand off. You're not doing that. So we, we that little test we took to tell them what we'd be. Oh, you're going to be a good garbage man. Oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for that hope. So I always wanted to be a soldier. No matter what they told me, I wanted to be a soldier, but I wound up in college because my dad told me to go to college. He said, enough of us have served. You got to go to college until finally I said, I'm going in the army. And that's it. I can't do this no more. I can't go to college. I don't want to be here. I'm just wasting time and money. So now, you know, in you know, college, college is not for everybody. Right. Just like the military is not for everybody. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, and we're fortunate that it's, it's, it's a volunteer thing for the military, 
Um, you know, my daughter, she was raised with, you know, me as a veteran, and I'm very, very active in my veteran community and have been for well over 25 years now. So my daughter grew up with all of that, seeing all of that. But when she was graduating high school and thinking of, you know, looking to her future, she literally had no interest in the military whatsoever. There was no main reason for it. And the one time we were talking, I said, well, I'm certainly not going to tell you what to do. I go, what is it that you feel the direction you should go? She goes, I don't think I'm made for the military mom. And I had always told her college is great for some and not for others. Same thing for the military. And she's just one of those people, one of those young ladies that literally she was not made for the military. So she went to college and, you know, we were blessed to be able to get her there. And she did very well in her four years and graduated and now is doing great in her life. You know, so it's like, okay, well done. Well done, mommy. (laughs) She's a well-adjusted person in society. I think I did okay. (laughs) My daughter, because I was active her up until she was 17. She was 17 when I retired. So she's seen the whole gamut of me deploying all that stuff. So right away, she did not want to be in the military. I don't want to be, I don't want to go through that or put someone through what you put me a mom through. So she was dead set against it. And then I have a niece who uh, she's from West lives in West Virginia, who uh, a cheerleader, super active social butterfly. And she's in the Navy now. So the one I, I didn't uh, think would go and that's where she did. <laughs> I, I too have a niece. <laughs> um who who is drop dead bombshell gorgeous and was very active in sports and stuff in high school but i mean very very female and she is in the army she's a lieutenant in the army and just got back from a a 14 month deployment just literally two weeks ago so you know we're all pretty happy to have her home now uh, or at least back in u.s um but yeah it's it's interesting how you you just don't everybody's different and and you've got that calling on your heart. And I I've told people before, you know, Hey, the military is something I think that it's, it's kind of like a calling. Now I went in because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but it was the military was there for a reason in my head. So I must've been called to it in some way. You said you always wanted to be a soldier and you know, you made that happen. I think that there's a calling uh, on you for giving, giving and serving in, in some way. If you had not went into the military, now you said you went to college and that wasn't your thing, but if you had not went into military, have you ever looked back and looked at that age of yourself and thought, who would I be today? If I, if I had not went into the military, I know exactly where I'd be. I'd be in, in a prison somewhere. I'd be, uh, doing i would have kept doing stupid stuff and wound up in jail with all my friends okay yeah wow well hey glad you went into the military (laughs) yes so is my wife (laughs) (laughs) oh you know i i i had that uh it was a while back a few months back i had put out a um a contest like a little writing contest 500 words then I just popped it out there and said, Hey, um, right. I'm having a little writing contest here. It's called letter to your five-year-old self. <laughs> Looking back, what would you say to your five-year-old self, you know, from where you're standing at now? So me of a certain age in my fifties, looking back at my five-year-old self, you know what? That was pretty tough to do. <laughs> it, there was a lot of, there was a lot of reflection that needed to be done. 
And to remember, you know, at five, wow, because at five, my life was kind of turned upside down when my parents divorced. So that was pretty traumatic. And also that was, you know, that was a big thing for a five-year-old. Um, so if you look back at your five-year-old self from where you're standing at now, what would, what, what's one thing that you would want to tell your five-year-old self? Once you commit to something, stay with it. Don't change your mind. Just go straight through it. Because otherwise I would never, I would have went that way. My five years of self would have went in the army right out of uh, high school instead of waiting those two or three, uh, three extra years. I mean, I got to play college football, but uh, that's not something that's <laughs> to brag about. We lost all 14 games I played. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a, it's a memory, but commit to everything you do. Don't, don't half-ass anything. That's a good one. That's a good one. You know what my main my main message to my little five year old self was literally just you're gonna be okay. Nice. <laughs> Life's bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! Life yeah. is bumpy, and you're gonna get hit in the face with shovels on occasion. But big shovels. <laughs> yes, big old like those barn shovels. You know that you shovel. Poop out with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, it can be bumpy, but without having those <laughs> bumpy roads, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now, helping other young people. Exactly. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, helping folks. And you do the same, helping people get their stories out there on your platforms. I do that with my podcast as well as with anthologies, you know, having people share their stories in words and getting them published in books. Um, it's interesting when you look back on, on your journey that you've taken. So in the, let's say in the last five years, have you accomplished what it is that you wanted to in the last five years? Yes. And then some, and then some awesome. Okay. So what is your next goal? If it's something you're able to share. Uh, my next thing is to finish my PhD, which hopefully will be by the end of, depending on, I guess, on how they offer my last two parts of it, either December or May of next year. I'm hoping for December of this year. So my Christmas present to me would be my hood. I'd be, I'd make my wife call me doctor all the time. <laughs> make your wife call you doctor. <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, I guess my next goal, next major goal is to finally get my second book published. And then, of course, uh, keep growing the Misfit Nation so I can help more people. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of books, um, share share with the listeners um, your first book and a little bit about what it's about and where people can find it. All right. The first book was The 13-Step Guide to Success. And basically, is, it started via the pandemic. The first uh, year of the pandemic, every month I'd leave, make a post on Facebook just to be the funny guy to keep people out of their heads and say, hey, great, you made it through Jumanji Level 1, Jumanji Level 2. Last month we had this, this month we have that. And now you're going to do this. So my daughter, at the end of the year, she's like, Dad, you should put that in a book. So I wrote the 13-step guide to success based off those 13, 12 tips. So I made a 13 in there just so it'd be different. And these steps are not so you'd make a million dollars, not so you can start a business. They're so you'd be a better human. So you can go out there and build your community, look people in the eye when you talk to them, look up when you're walking instead of looking at your phone and running into people and build that circle from that two-foot meter thing around you out and breathe outside and just become a better human. And it can be found on Amazon. Uh, just look up a 13 step guide to success by Rich LaMonica. So you said your 
working on a second book and what one's what direction is that book taken so this book is a, a historical fiction it's about a, a soldier who's at the end of his journey and he's at his last deployment and he goes through a really bad battle and it starts off with him on top of the mountain after the battle with all the smoke and the smell of blood and burning stuff and he's reflecting and it goes through that whole sequence of how he got to that battle his career and then it's going to flip when he comes home to dealing with the demons, to what happens when we take off them boots and what happens, the next steps. A lot of the characters are based off people I served with, not directly, maybe two or three people into one person, just so I can, uh, I guess, pay honor to them as I'm writing this as well, and then push it forward to the people on the mental health side of it so they know that we're not just robots that go out and shoot people. We're people who are given a, a tough task, and then we have to transition back to being just regular humans when we come home and be able to clean it up and hold all that in as much as possible. So we have to rebuild ourselves. And that's what the second half of the book is. Awesome. That uh, you definitely have to keep in touch and let me know when that is out and about. Um, Cause I want to have you on again to talk about it. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> that sounds like, that sounds like, a, <laughs> well, I like, I like the, uh, the way it, it, it flips back and forth, how you discussed, how you, uh, just explain that and the mental health part of it because you are soldiers anyone in the military that has to that ends up going to war you are given tasks that most could not or would not do and unfortunately it's those that are most vocal <laughs> about those who have served in the military that's probably the nicest way I can say it I <laughs> I'm picking up and putting down. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. You're, you're picking it up. I figured you would. You seem like kind of a quick guy. <laughs> I try. <laughs> sharp, 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 like a marble. Huh. <laughs> I was going to say sharp, like a pencil eraser. <laughs> and I count myself in that, that little <laughs> saying as well. Um, but the, the mental health aspect and I'm over the years, I, I have, and I'm not a counselor or anything like that. I just have a heart to help. And over the years within my veteran post and other things that I've done behind the scenes with veterans, I would say 97% are with veterans that live with PTSD. And from all the, all the different eras, from there was World War II, now there's not many of those left anymore, um, but World War II, Korea, Vietnam, uh, more closer to today's times. It's amazing that when you end up talking to someone that has not been in the military or who has not had someone, a loved one or family member that has served in the military, just how clueless they are. Yes. And I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just they have not educated themselves on anything of what a person may have went through or the mental anguish that they might experience when they come home. Right. And that can be for various reasons, but I'm, I'm so glad that you're going to, you're addressing that. Do you address that topic? And it's a tough one, but I know that you, your podcast and your radio show, it's a platform that you want to give to veterans to share their stories to, to as you had mentioned earlier off mic to relieve some of that pressure. Um, yeah. How have you seen that? How have you seen that work for the guests that you've had on your show? 
Uh, a lot of my guests reach back to me and say, thank you so much. And like I told you in the first time, they also reach back and ask for more different help. So I bring a lot of uh, mental health counselors on and mental health uh, practitioners. And just the other day, I had a, a great champion for veterans, a Lieutenant Colonel retired from the United States Air Force, Kathy Gallowitz. And she's uh, in Arizona now. And, and she has a program there where she tries to bridge that divide we were just talking about. It's called uh, Veteran Champions. It's a teach civilians what we do and the skills we bring to the table and how to retain us and keep us in jobs instead of us always like the, there's a large majority of veterans that after their first year at a job, they're gone after the military because they don't fit in. They don't understand what the heck's going on. There's no structure. It's just, Oh, you just work eight hours a day. That's it. Eight hours. That's it. Oh, okay. All right. I guess we'll go home. But, and, and they like to finish tasks as soon as you give them to them. So a veteran, if you give him a task, okay, it's done. Well, you had 24 hours to do that. But it's done now. Let's do more tasks. No, they don't want that. They want you to be slow and so you can charge more money to whatever client you have. And that's a mindset that a lot of us cannot understand when we come out. It took me probably three years to figure it out. And I still don't get it, but I understand it. <laughs> it you know, I was sitting here grinning as you're saying that because there's there was a couple jobs I had that it was just, uh, it was exactly that here's a task and I need this, you know, get that to me by the end of the day tomorrow. Well, I have it to him before lunch that day, no. <laughs> a day and a half early um, and structure. You use the word structure for me personally. I struggled in jobs that I really liked my jobs and I was very good at it. I was all sales and marketing done it for over 25 years, but the lack of structure from the top tier of the ladder was very difficult for me to just roll with. Right. I, I don't know if you found yourself in that position at all before too. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> My first position when I came, oh, I took it basically a year off then became a fellow and then a job. I took the job with the, the mission continues and I had that mindset where I didn't want to be a statistic and leave after a year because I knew everyone else did that. So hard head me said, I'm going to stay two. And I stayed exactly two and moved to where I am now. But in that, I seen it just evolve while I was in the position from, we want to do this for this, but then the news said, this is going on. So let's, let's aim at that. Instead of doing what we were doing for veterans here, let's cancel that program that's working and go this way because we'll get more votes or more donors this way. And I, I couldn't be a part of that no more. And I had, had a long uh, sit with my wife that seen the rest of my team uh, disappear. And I said, I can't stay here while they're gone. And my, luckily I fell into something else, which, which was much better for me and my family. So. Awesome. As we wrap up today, what is a nugget of hope that you would like to toss out to the listeners for, for them today? Uh, since we were on the subject of mental health, uh, last week I had a good friend of mine, Jake Holland on the show. He's an EOD guy. And in the EOD world, they do think something called five to one when they're getting rid of munitions. So they put five pounds of uh, munition to get rid of one pound of any uh, chemical agent or something like that. So I came up with a new thing for the mental health side. We have the hotline 988 and take option one. But a nugget of hope is that for every one of us, we have at least five friends or five people in your circle you can reach out to. If you're feeling down, use your five to one. Call every one of them and say, hey, look, I'm down. See which one of them is actually going to step up and be part of your circle. So use your five to one and be here the next day for us all to, to shake your hand. Awesome. Perfect. 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a perfect little nugget, a perfect nugget and a perfect way to, to wind up this episode of Let Fear Bounce. Rich, thank you so much for once again being my guest and I look forward to having you on again. So please keep in touch, especially with that book that you're working on and all the other awesome stuff that you're doing for folks and youth, of course, across the country. So thank you for being my guest today. No problem. It's always great to come back here. All right, everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to myself and my special guest today. This is Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. <laughs>